This is the Libertarian Podcast from the Hoover Institution. I'm your host, Tom Church, and the Libertarian is Professor Richard Epstein. Richard is the Peter and Kirsten Bedford Senior Fellow here at the Hoover Institution. He is the Lawrence A. Tisch Professor of Law at NYU, and he's also a senior lecturer at the University of Chicago. Richard, today I thought we'd start by talking about one of the recent Supreme Court decisions we haven't discussed yet, and that's Biden v. Texas. Now, this case was about the federal government's ability to end the Remain in Mexico policy put in place by the Trump administration. And it was an interesting coalition of justices here. It was decided 5-4 with the liberal uh, liberal justices joined by Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh. I'm hoping you'll take me through the case to help me understand why Roberts, Kavanaugh, and the three justices, the liberal justices, all agreed. Oh, sure. I'm happy to try to do that. Um, This is actually an extremely difficult case uh, to sort of understand. What you have to do first is to back off and see what the program was. And then after you do that, see how unpalatable alternatives have to be treated. Uh, The thing to understand is that the Trump program was put into place several years after he was in office. And before that, we have the situation that we have now which is we have illegal immigrants coming into the United States. And then the question is, what should be done before the disposition is made of their treatment? And it turns out that there are essentially three alternatives. One is you could try to put them in some kind of a protective custody, restricted facility from which they cannot escape or cannot leave. The second is you could let them go on their own recognizance and ask them to reappear. And the third is you could simply send them back to whence they came so that they're not in the United States. And then what you could do is arrange for them to apply in some sense later if they want to try to get in. Uh, What happened is the Trump situations, the Trump people said the third alternative, that is simply letting people wander about the United States um, without any supervision or control on their own recognizance is too dangerous. So what the administration did is it forged an executive agreement with the government of Mexico in which we agreed that they would house the immigrants until these cases could be done. And there would probably be arrangements in this in which the United States would help to foot the bill. And that would mean that you would not have the third alternative of people running uh, throughout the United States um, on their own recognizance, where they may have COVID, they may commit crimes, they may do all sorts of other things. Uh, What happened is the day that Biden came into office was the day that this policy changed. And his view was that uh, the statute says that I may enter into agreements with other nations in order to do this, but I'm not required to do so. And what I'm doing is I'm yanking this particular approval that was given by the Trump administration, which now means that the only thing that are left are the two alternatives, keep them in control in the United States in some facility or let them go out. And it turned out the consequences of this for states like Texas and Missouri are very severe. Uh, Once you have um, undocumented immigrants in the United States running around, um, it's a policing problem. It's a health and maintenance problem. It's a care problem. Uh, One of the things that uh, the governor of Texas has done is he said, you know, I can't handle all this. And a lot of people who are really very pro-immigration up in Washington, D.C., I'll give people one-way bus tickets to Washington, D.C., so they could overwhelm their facilities instead of ours. And exactly that's what's happened. It's also happened in New York. 
Uh, the question before the court was whether or not you could essentially force the Biden administration to keep to the policies of the Trump administration. And the first thing to understand about this is the initial proposal put into place by Trump was perfectly valid. And this was not a standard administrative procedure where you're proposing a new rule, you have them notice and comment hearing and so forth. It was something that they could do unilaterally. And so what happens is the Biden position at root is this was discretionary to create by one administration. It's therefore discretionary to remove by another. If you don't need any kind of formalities to put the program in place, you don't need any kind of formalities to take it away. And that, in effect, these executive agreements are constantly going to be subject to negotiation and modification of one form or another. And it just doesn't square to have the Administrative Procedure Act involved in this. Uh, Justice Roberts, the chief who wrote this opinion, uh, then was uh, insistent on saying, look, if we start to say that we have to send them back to Mexico, then we're going to force the administration to negotiate some deal with the Mexican government. The Mexican government may have changed its mind. And so I can't figure out, he said, a way in which my ruling on this situation can dictate foreign policy, which generally is left within the province of the rest of the government. Well, I mean, I think it's a pretty strong argument. I think it's probably the correct argument. This doesn't talk about the wisdom of the program, but interestingly enough, that didn't come up in a very explicit way by the uh, by the chief justice. But in the dissent by Justice Alito, you saw it coming through and he said, look, I mean, we've got a major social problem in this particular case. And as far as he's concerned, it turns out that the United States has discretion on whether or not to send people to Mexico if it could house them here. But if it turns out it's going to be a leakage that is taking place, then I don't think that the uh, discretion survives the fact that we now have a major social crisis inside the United States. You look at the statute and you try to find some authorization for that particular position and you don't see it. Uh, so essentially what's happening is the Alito procedure is a kind of a common sense qualification on a statutory scheme. And what happens is over and over again, the chief justice says something very simple. He says, look, the statute says may, may doesn't mean must, may doesn't mean maybe, sometimes, sometimes not. May means may. And so there is unfettered discretion in the hands of the current administration. I think in the end, that's probably the right position in terms of the law. What is so puzzling is if you start looking at the justifications that the United States gives for its policy, describing these things as non-sustainable and the like, they seem to be extraordinarily weak as a matter of social policy. And that means that all sorts of people are very upset about the way in which thing is being handled. And now amongst the many other crises that the Biden administration is having to deal with, uh, the uncontrolled unrest at the border is yet another one. Uh, my simple recommendation is that they should reinstate the Trump policies. Not clear that they will. Yeah, I want to follow up on what you mentioned, the governors of Texas, Arizona, some of the southern border states have been doing, which is paying for one-way bus tickets um, for illegal migrants to be dumped in Washington, D.C., New York City, other so-called sanctuary cities. Um, I think there are other sanctuary cities that are closer to those states, and it seems maybe a little bit you know, political um, to, to send them especially to D.C., but, you know, I'm looking at New York and, and Washington, D.C. in particular, where uh, paying for these migrants, they have, you know, uh, shelter for them. They have medical care. Um, it falls on city governments, but there are also FEMA grants. Um, that to, I just want to know who, who should be paying for this. I mean, is this a legal thing to do to send migrants to, to other states? Uh, we're in terra incognita. 
I mean, look, the first question one has to ask is, how did the people who made it through Mexico to the border come? And my guess is that there was somebody out there who's quite happy to disrupt the situation in the United States who is prepared to pay for that kind of a transit. And so you then start the first question is, do we have to admit people who come to the border if they had their money paid for uh, by some other government, whether it be the government of Haiti, the government of China, the government of Mexico, the government of the United States? We don't know. And so I think the answer is, if you start looking at what Greg Abbott did and you try to figure out, now, where is this thing made illegal as opposed to undesirable? There's nothing in the federal code that says this. Um, Sending them off to another place uh, may get rid of the burden. But what happened is the whole point about the Biden administration is we don't care. We're just going to let these people out. The people in Texas do care. Said We're going to shift them over. If I were the federal government, what I would try to do is to say, maybe I could stop it, but it's going to be very difficult to find any statutory authorization that calls for that particular outcome. And there's certainly nothing in the immigration and naturalization statutes that start to deal with this. And so then who pays for this? Well, remember, Texas is not obliged to pay for anybody when they come into the state of Texas. And so their attitude is, I'm not obliged to pay for somebody. I can pay for their transportation and do them a favor by sending them to somebody who will. But those states simply cannot afford it. You're talking about, you know, multiple busloads coming in each day. So suppose it turns out that what you do is you're getting 200 people a day into Washington, D.C., and you're doing it for 30 days a month. That's 6,000 people to try to take care of on top of all the other enormous expenses. They can start to go to Congress to get some kind of an appropriation, and perhaps they will. Eleanor Norton's Holmes is a very influential member of Congress uh, from the House of Representatives, and she may be able to get it through. But that, of course, is going to create other kinds of problems, and there may be some resistance on this. Uh, So it's a royal mess. Um, uh, I think the answer to the situation is what you're seeing playing out is something that cannot be reversed by a judicial decree in any particular way. It can either be handled by an appropriation, either at the state level, the city level, the national level, or it could be handled by reinstituting the Trump policy. For the Biden administration to reinstitute the Trump policy is a thundering concession of defeat. Um, They have been so much on the other side of this issue for so long, treating Trump as barbaric or worse, uh, that for them to essentially take back a policy they put into place on the first day in office would be a confession of abject mistake. I think they ought to do it because I think I did. They did make an abject mistake. I mean, the single most important thing to understand about Trump is what I always like to say is you got to look at this guy and his policies a la carte. If you see one policy that's a 10, the next one could be a one or another 10. And you have to separate them. And in this particular case, if you looked at what he did, it seems to me it was a fairly sensible way of trying to make sure people had humane kinds of circumstances. The United States could help pay for them uh, being kept in Mexico where it's cheaper, have a more orderly admission into the United States, and don't have the problem of trying to track down people who are wandering about at their own recognizance and figuring out who ought to take care of them when they're, generally speaking, utterly unable to take care of themselves. But they won't do that. And if they don't do that, then in effect, the the rest of the country is going to be stewed in these kinds of juices. And what it does is I think it sort of tells you something about a policy adhered to by some, but not by me, on open immigration at the borders. It's not a sustainable policy. There are too many people who want to come in, and the people who want to come in are not going to be self-sufficient, to put it mildly. There's going to be a burden on the education system, on the wealth system. There's going to be risk of infectious diseases and all the rest of that stuff. 
you're not going to find unlimited benevolence on the part of the American people when these things become explicit. And what uh, Governor Abbott has done is simply said to other parts of the country, you want to put and become sanctuary cities, you can pay for your piety. We don't wish to pay for your piety. And so here they come in your direction. They can't afford it. And so the whole country is being overwhelmed with this particular problem at the same time as being overwhelmed with every other kind of problem. So, I mean, the Biden administration, as best I can tell, has never gotten any serious policy determination correct. And this seems to be yet another one of the cases in which it moves with speed and then has to repent at leisure. Well, speaking of the Biden administration um, and their enforcement uh, or lack thereof on the border, I went to the uh, the Customs and Border Patrol website to look up the number of enforcement actions at the southern border in the last couple of years, because I think it's interesting and I want to I want to talk to you about it. Um, in 2020, it dropped precipitously because of COVID-19. But in 2021, the fiscal year 2021, the number of enforcement actions at the southern border was double what it was under President Trump. And I, you know, I think there's an idea out there that President Trump would be more, you know, harsher towards towards um, people trying to enter the country illegally. In fiscal year 2022, and we have a couple months left, it's already reached the same amount that we had in fiscal year 2021. So we're looking at just a staggering number of people being apprehended at the border, uh, having to deal deal with them. I, I'd like to know, Richard, what what can be done to stem the flow of illegal migrants at the border? Well, I mean, I think what's happening is people are acting personally, rationally. When they thought that Trump was in charge, they figured they'd get a very frosty reception if they made it, and they would be sent back home. So why do you want to risk all the money to go if you're not going to be able to stay? Um, But the moment Biden sort of announces an implicit amnesty with respect to previous policies, it turns out that the rate of return that you get from investing in illegal entry into the United States is much higher. And as the return gets higher, the willingness to pay a cost to get that return is going to increase as well. Uh, So I think of this as simply a perfectly normal expectation of what's going to happen when you change policies. Uh, One of the things I think that has to be remembered about this is that there is a progressive belief, which is almost always wrong, which says that, you know, changes in incentive structures don't lead to many changes in behavior. Um, They're just distributional. Uh, But if you look on the other side of this, which is the position I've always taken, uh, you don't try to figure out how these incentives are going to act upon people who don't have to make any choices. So it's clear that you and I are not going to change our behavior because of anything that has to do with border policy in the United States. But if somebody's an immigrant, they may not know this information directly, but they will know it through all sorts of networks and channels, and their behavior will move with amazing speed. And if they can't figure it out, then enablers who are willing to pay them in order to come to the American border can figure it out as well. So what happens is the only way I think you could reverse the flow is to reverse the set of expectations. And what's happened is we have an administration which never admits error on any kind of point. And so I don't expect them to change their position on this. One of the characteristics of Joe Biden, which became perfectly evident when he refused to make any adjustments in his Afghanistan policy and so forth, is the man is immensely stubborn. And once he just gets it into his head that a certain kind of thing is the correct policy, I don't think there are facts of people who can change him, can persuade him to change his mind. I think that's exactly the thing that we have here. And what makes it more complicated is there are many people who, for all sorts of reasons, uh, are in favor of much more open-like borders. And you could think of two explanations. One is humanitarian. It is better for people to be here than to be beaten up in in Guatemala or a thousand other places. And the other position is that it's much better to let people in 
who when we declare amnesty and give them citizenship will be solid democratic voters. Uh, you could pick what your motivation is. They will differ from person to person, time after time, and so forth. Both of these things turn out to be in play. And, and what's going to happen, I suspect, is there's going to be an extremely sharp reaction to this, and there's going to be a lot more pressure uh, to see a transformation in policy. The evidence of that is, I think, perfectly clear. Um, it's pretty clear right now that the Hispanic vote in Texas, which was historically strongly Democratic, is now tilting Republican, if I'm not mistaken, and it manifests itself in congressional elections to fill out unexpired term. This was unheard of. Um, but one has to remember, if you're a Hispanic citizen in the United States living and you are overwhelmed by um, immigrants of one kind or another who are illegal, you're going to suffer from this as much or more as any person who is not Hispanic. And so after a while, they will start to vote their pocketbook and their comfort levels, and they will not vote any kind of abstract affiliation. That's what's happening in this case. My prediction is that the whole variety of programs that the uh, that the Biden administration has put into place will make uh, Hispanics a fairly solid Republican constituency uh, from Florida up to Washington state. Why is that? Because these are people who think themselves on the outs with respect to the immigration policy. And they certainly think in terms of the constant discussion about racial preferences, blacks life matters can be read as Hispanic lives don't matter, at least in terms of the politics. So I think that there's going to be not a short-term response from the Biden administration, but I think there's going to be at less something changes fairly rapidly, a genuine reorientation of the way in which the electoral politics of the United States will take place. And I think we will start to see a fairly good sign of that um, as soon as this November election takes place. You've been listening to the Libertarian Podcast with Richard Epstein. If you'd like to hear more from Richard, head over to his weekly column, The Libertarian, published on Defining Ideas at the newly redesigned Hoover.org. If you found our conversation thought-provoking, please share it with your friends and rate the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in. For Richard Epstein, I'm Tom Church. See you next week. This podcast is a production of the Hoover Institution, where we advance ideas that define a free society and improve the human condition. For more information about our work or to listen to more of our podcasts or watch our videos, please visit hoover.org.